back to another episode of International Immersion, a podcast that seeks to capture the combined experiences of people, culture, places, traveling, current events, living abroad, and everything that comes along with them. For tonight's episode, I have a very special guest covering a very interesting and at the same time alarming topic that is transpiring in the world right now. So for tonight's topic, we're going to be talking about what's going on in Myanmar since the military coup back on February 1st. And I have an old colleague from my, uh, my time in graduate school who's from Myanmar, and I'm going to sit down with him tonight, and, we're go- and he's going to give a firsthand account of what is going on there. So uh, it's great to have you here tonight. Um, I, you know, I've been worried about you, thinking about you, and I think it's wonderful to have this opportunity to share your firsthand experiences of what's going on there and all the factors that are unfolding, which uh, I've only seen via media, but just from what I've seen is very alarming to say the least. Uh, Thank you very much, my wonderful friends for having me, particularly in this very turbulent and very dangerous time. And it's a great opportunity for me to speak about my country, what is going on and really appreciate for inviting me. Oh, you're most certainly welcome. And, you know, what we hear in the news and what we see, you know, it's alarming, it's frightening, it's, you know, not whole host of <laughs> words come to mind when I when I see it, but there's really nothing that compares to actually hearing it from someone who's living in it and amongst it. I mean, there's just no comparison in my opinion. So, a little to begin with, to begin with, maybe you can give us a little background about Myanmar, the country, uh, for our viewers, and to allow them to have a little bit of a back backdrop tour to uh, prior to this event unfolding this year. Yes, as you said, currently what happened in Myanmar is very tragic and there's no uh, where how to compare how this military committed you know, com- uh, crimes against humanity. So Myanmar is a population of 55 million and it's one of the members of uh, South Asian nation. And in, we got independent in 1948. And after that, and we got pretty much uh, uh, very wealthy nations because we pride we practice democracy we believe in federal democracy but in 1962 and again in 1988 the military took over uh power the office and everything turned into chaos myanmar is one of the least developed country in the entire world and myanmar has the second longest civil war and even now, just recently, we had this uh, Rohingya crisis as well. So Myanmar is a terrible, terrible multi-crisis crisis. Now again, the uh, you know, with the COVID and everything, now they uh, took the office by force, staking coup, and this is just, just, just utterly they are so evil. I will call, I, I say it, and they are just terrorist organization. You know, I I, I can't imagine for you know for a country to be at civil war for that long and also the Rohingya crisis in previous years which I had you know note which I'd followed on the news it's 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 very tragic and the fact that you know Myanmar from what I've learned about it it's a very rich country it has it's beautiful and it's you know there's so many great elements to it but for it to suffer through decades and decades of these problems it's just it's it's very it's you know sorrowing to see yes it is yes and also, I wanted to mention that Myanmar is exactly right between two powerful nations. They are China and India as well. So one, we get very democratic nations. The other, we got a uh, very, you know, authoritarian uh, state. No, and I can certainly see how that would create a whole host of issues, both positive and negative for the country, being in a way kind of in a, you know, in a, the kind of a buffer zone between the, between India and China and it had but with Myanmar having its own you know own sense of itself but kind of having these two very influential powers on you know boring it to the to the northeast and into the west so that definitely has a I'm sure has contributed to a lot of uh, geopolitical challenges and opportunities for the country in the last 50 years 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you giving us a little information about Myanmar and, and some of the events that have happened to it. So um, kind of set the record, set the record. So we all know that the um, military coup happened on February 1st, but can you maybe give us a little bit of background leading up to the coup and why you think it happened? Mm-hmm. So in uh, 2020, we got a general elections. Uh, and after that, what happened right now, what happened is that in according with the 2008 constitution, the military hold 25 uh, 25% of the parliament, parliament seats, right? In order to form a government, what they need is 20% only. So, but the last election, November, and with the surprise that the 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 Nobel Peace Prize winner, those who led party, has won tremendous right a landslide victory. So it's, it was really a big blow for them. So the military backup party uh, accused the NAD party that you know it, it the election was a fraudulent. And what happened is that 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 was their main reason, but without valid and critical evidence. They have claimed it, they had accused of it. And for us, it's just a shocking news that on February 1st, on, uh, on the very early morning before we wake up, right? At even four, they just uh, uh, seized the coup in power. That, that was in, uh, because we were about to, to start that parliamentary opening. But unfortunately, before that, they just detained all this uh, elected government officials and leaders. Yeah, I know that from the news and from following the situation, I know the uh, foreign observers and even I think the the, the committee that covered the election in Myanmar even refuted that there was no, no fraud or no evidence of any fraud. And that has been something that's been pretty much substantiated by at the, by the by, up until now, at least. Yes. That I yeah I can't imagine what it'd be like to go to bed one night everything seems to be normal and you wake up and and then all of a sudden you're like what is going on and then seeing everything that transpired, you know it's one thing like I said to see that on the news but to actually be there and observe it you know, with your own eyes is to- totally different. I, I can't imagine how frightening it must have been for you and your family. It is. And I have, to, I, I really want to highlight the fact that on the early morning, what happens is that our communication channel, I mean, everything, I cannot call to my, to my friends and I cannot use the internet, everything, our community communication channel, everything has been shut off. We are completely disconnected within ourselves and outside of Myanmar. So what we got is only the military-run TV channel called Miawadi. We can learn, and then we learn what is really going on in uh, in Myanmar and certainly around the world. So that's just that just we were shocked and we were scared, and uh, within a second we really don't know what to do. Should we have to run and hide or what? So everything is just chaos, and this is totally uh, scandal for us. No, and especially because I know that for the last five years the situation in Myanmar has been pretty stable and there's been a lot of pro- lot of progress that was that was made or at least that's what was seen looking looking into Myanmar from from the outside but I know for a lot of people they are definitely seeing this as a huge regression yes and, and the current events definitely speak to that and that leads us into you know the next point of our of our conversation this evening and that be is of course what we ever want to see on the news what what the people's response has been and the protests. So maybe you could give us a little background like on at least from you, from what you observed, how that started and how it's developed. Yes, as I said, mentioned, you know, we, this is not the very first time in 1962, we used to say that our grandfather failed. In 1988, our father's generation have failed. Now our generation, what we call Generation Z, have to lead to the stake, have to lead the protest and it has taken the street. So, I mean, they have know that, you know, protesting and defiance against the military is that end, right? But the Generation Z, who... I mean, I have seen it. They are not interested in politics at all. What they know, they just want to play game. They just want to be hanging around. But now suddenly all their communication channel has been lost. All their freedom, everything has lost. Now we, the generation, young leaders are very angry and we don't want to leave this. We don't, not only just, we don't accept it. We're just very angry, we want to abolish. So 
everyone, literally every generation has come out and has taken the street. I myself joining this demonstration every day, I see young people, even we got generation alphas as well, those who are uh, seven or eight, they just come with uh, scooters. So we against it, not only that, now they're shooting us. And I myself have seen with my own eye, my, my comrade just 19 years old has shot and he said, but it, it, it can't stop us because you know what, even the COVID, I just because the war is handling this COVID for us, COVID is just nothing compared to our coup. So we against it. Now we have already paid tremendous, tremendous prices. Our friends just lost, you know. <clears throat> you know, we lost our family and we lost everything. So we we come back off, you know, we won't stop because there's nothing that we have to lose. We lose everything. So we are continually fighting and we will fight now. And um, every day it's a protest for us and <clears throat> they couldn't stop sh shooting us, but we, uh, uh, both sides, you know, we, we that's just 110% for sure that we won't stop. And, and they must fail and military dictatorship must fail. And it, in this kind of suffering, shouldn't fear not only Myanmar, suffering all around the world. Nobody should fail. Nobody should suffer like that. Nobody should experience like that. I, I, so, yeah, I just can't imagine. And I can just tell from the emotion in your voice how traumatic this has been. And, you know, I think everyone faces tra traumatic times in their lives, but I don't think a lot of people can even fathom what this is like just hearing this is about to make myself burst into tears just hearing it from you but you know it's i just am amazed by the resilience and the resolve of you know generation z and even the in basically the, the people of the country coming together to reject what they don't want you know it basically you know at least from what what you're telling me and from what i've seen on the news from multiple sources is just that the people are tired of the, the previous order. They want something new. They want to manifest and they want the right for self-determination, the ability to, you know, plan and prosecute and, and have a stake in their own futures. Absolutely. Now that's, but I, I'm just amazed that, you know, you know, it, it started off peaceful protests and then the, it's become the crackdowns have gotten worse from what I've seen they're resorting to more and more uh, violent methods. And to see that it's just like, okay, it's people are protesting peacefully. Why do you have to <laughs> use such methods against peaceful protesters? They're not attacking things. They're not, you know, they're not doing anything really out of, out of the case. I mean, there's been some cases of that recently, but I think that's more of a result of pressure the protesters are facing. I mean, I'm not there, so I'm not going to say one way or the other, but that's just from my personal observations and from, my, and from paying attention to the situation. Yes. Can I say just one thing that uh, the, the way the military government, the tactics and how we responded first, they have, I would say, main two ways first, inciting fear and, uh, and, and divisions. When I say fear, they said, okay, when I shoot your friend, so you better stop there. So they, they because they really want to incite fear. And but what happened? And the other thing is they want to divide us. For instance, as you clearly know, know that you know with the Rohingya, and we know that the uh, the Burmese, uh, the Buddhist majority, and the versus Muslim. But now a lot of Muslim uh, Rohingya and Muslim Christian, everybody come out and they're trying to divide us. But what happens? People are not only unbreakable; we are unstoppable, unstoppable as well. Because what we see is that it's not about Muslim or it's not about Buddhist. It's about our common and common enemy who has no uh, no uh, no humanity at all, who only know how to stay power. And in order to stay power, they're going to kill everybody. They don't care about Burmese or Buddhist or Christian. So we are very united. The more they try to divide us, we have become very united. The more they try to incite fear, we become, we become very resilient. We become very strong. That I would like to highlight. No, and I'm very glad that you have. And that's that really says a lot right there. Because, you know, ethnic and religious divisions can cause a lot of problems. But if you, for all those people to come together under for one cause or for one purpose, that says a lot. I mean, that's that's very powerful in, in of itself. And that 
and that kind of leads into our next point is that you know, what, what, you know, you kind of, you've mentioned it to an extent, but what is the military and what are the, the military or the authorities as you can call them, what are they doing, you know, outside of what we see on the news, but can you kind of give us maybe a breakdown of like what, what, what they're doing or how it's escalating with their, with what they're doing? Yes, at first, what they're trying to do is that the NID party, right? The uh, Victory Party, they want to destroy it. So that's when they targeted all those, uh, was, of course, they detained all these all this, uh, elected government. At the same time, they're trying to arrest all the uh, represented leader first. That time we came out, the, the, the attacker hasn't protested yet. And the next time they're trying to arrest all those activists, all those uh, influential figures. And, 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 and the third one, what they're trying to do is that now they're targeting the protesters as well, because we are protesting pretty much, I mean, uh, two weeks, right? And they just let, let us, let, they just let us protest peacefully and we still protesting peacefully as well. So after that, the, the, the next target has become the peaceful protester. When they say peaceful protester, they, they shot, uh, the young people, so their parents, right? People got wounded. Their parents, no, no, you are not allowed to to go on street like that. So because they're trying uh, to fear inside to their uh, parents, so that they, because they have already experienced 1988 as well, so they can't lose. Not only they already lose their, their children, they can't lose their friends and relatives. So they're gonna stop. But now. They should everyone, let's say now, even one, uh, he's just, she's just a pregnant, right? But they kill and in, in a, a young guy who just uh, 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 volunteer and helping to uh, get some medical treatment. Now they stop all the school, they stop all the uh, hospital. I just want another mention is that now we have a very, uh, very strong movement, what we call a civil disobedient movement, right? So all those civil servants, we ask them to stop going in order to paralyze this military mechanism. So now they become a targeted, targeted groups as well, but people are still resisting against this military uh, coup and they stop uh, going well, of course, there are a few people, right? Because they might they because the the uh, military they come and pick them up. If you stop going to the office, we're gonna shoot you. So some people they are in that situation. Some people are still going, but majority they stop going. No, I think you you highlighted very well. They, you know, as with any as with anything, the systematic they targeted the people or the the forces they thought were the most. Uh, most of the most the most dangerous to their to the to the coup, and then they kind of worked their way down. And maybe what you're saying, it's like there were two weeks where people were protesting. They didn't do a lot. Maybe they're thinking, let the people just let out some anger and frustration, then they'll go home. And when they didn't, then they stepped up. They stepped up their tactics. And then, yes. like you said, they're you know, what they're doing now. But I mean, I can't think of anything more horrible than than to murder. You know, than for a pregnant woman to be killed, or you know, a, a young you know, young man or child to be killed. I mean, why? I mean, what's it, what, to, what does that solve? What does that do? I mean, that's just, that's horrific. And that's just, you know, that's a lot, that's a life lost and, and potential lost. Yes. Yes. And then kind of going off from that, well, especially in the last, I'd say two weeks, at least from uh, watching the news, it seems like there's been a, a large escalation in violence. It, 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 it is. I can't even describe it how they are cruel and uh, all those innocent and very uh, peace loving people. They, this is just a threat for them. You know, expressing our voices is just a threat for them. This is just so cruel. I can't even describe. There's no word, you know, in, in, in Myanmar, what we don't call them military coup. What we call is that. Because in a Western Western term, right, dog are so lovely and everybody love puppet. But in this our Burmese term, when you say dog, I mean a stray dog, which is a useless. We love dog, but in 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 a in in a term, we say we don't call them military. We we call them because we believe that military are supposed to protect their own country and it's protect to its own very people. 
So we don't call them military. You know, they don't deserve it. So we call it dog. When I say dog in uh, uh, the two degree two way that, you know, you just useless, you are a stray dog, you are good for nothing. So we, we don't mention them military. We just call them dog. And, and, and that's because we don't have nowhere to describe them. No, th- no, I, I get what you're saying. Basically, that is a degrading term that degrading you're using. Term, yes, exactly. Because yeah, I mean, a military's function is to to protect the state from foreign from foreign uh, forces and sometimes domestic forces. But from seeing on the news, if when the military or the police open fire at its own people who are not, you know, causing who are not you know acting in in, in any violent way, that that speaks a lot a lot louder than any words. And that's just horrific, in my opinion, because that's not what, you know, armed forces of a country should be doing, at least, you know, from what I understand and from what you're telling me. Yes. No, but yeah, that's just, that's so sad to hear. But I, I and I also know, I, and I also know that recently in, in uh, they've implemented uh, martial law in some places. Yes. And before before the martial law is imposed, we got what we call the uh, curfew has been imposed as well. Uh, once uh, I think after one week later on, they said the the curfew has been imposed on, from between eight to uh, eight p.m. to four a.m. because the, because uh, people are not only protesting in a the daytime, they're also protesting at night times as well. Right from the very beginning, we, we, we bang pots and pots and pans. And what does it mean is that in a Burmese way, it's, it's, it means we are, uh, we are against all those demon spirits. So that's how we perceive it. So every night we still, we still uh, every 8 p.m., Every family, every people, every household, they, they bang pots and pans. That's in our traditional way of uh, casting the demon and uh, uh, destroying all the evil uh, spirit. Wow, that's that's a very, that's some deep symbolism right there, you know, emphasized. Yes. You know, and if you don't mind me asking, you know, being part of the protest, what is what is it like being on the street? You know, at first, uh, on, uh, on, I think pretty much the, on the very first week, people are very innovative. When I say innovative, me, so people are very united. For instance, okay, next day, what kind of message that we would like to show? And everybody, for instance, uh, when the uh, Indonesian uh, foreign prime minister, because she tried to met the uh, military uh, I mean, commander in chief in Nepidor, the next day I myself, everyone came out to the street and we against this. And the next day, the uh, the uh, Jakarta, Indonesia foreign prime minister stopped coming to the uh, Myanmar because that means it's gives signal that they somehow acknowledged its, its military coup as, you know, interim government. So what does it mean? It means speaking out our voices. It's just a tremendous voices for us. It's a tremendous, I mean, opportunity for us because once we are controlled by the military, you know what? Even saying a joke will be a punishable, uh, punishable thing for them. So now it means a lot, and uh, people are very innovative. People are very brave, and it's. Think exactly how we the people are exercising our rights as well. So it means a lot. And you know that by protesting on the street, you know that you are risking your own lives as well. So at night, some people now they're running away. You know, they, they are very scared to sleep at their home because at night they might come and arrest uh, those who join at the uh, uh, demonstration. In fact, my friends, he shared his experience because he was arrested. Now he's released, thank God. And he, everybody will be asked the same question. They ask, have, have you joined the protest? Have you joined the uh, demonstration? So if you, if you, and then the, the, the level of punishment will be severe. If you say yes, and you know, it, it, have you shared anything on the Facebook like that? So they are, on the one hand, they are extreme uh, dangerous, dangerous situation. You know what lies ahead. But on the other hand, on the other hand, 
that couldn't stop us. We are very united. We are very uh, innovative and we were gonna risk our whole life and then we will uh, continue to protest uh, against this uh, military coup. I mean, you're describing a, a complete climate of fear because I mean, just what you're saying, that means they don't want any information coming out. That's basically what I infer from what you're telling me. And that's, um, that would explain, I think, why they're cutting the internet. They're, you know, they're trying to, at least from what you're, what's being told is they're trying to limit the ability of people to communicate. You are absolutely correct. I think that's that's my might my, my be next point that now we get only access to the Wi-Fi internet only because usually when we even that night right when my, my comrade you get shot in his set I record everything and people can share live streams as well so we know that what's going on so we know that how we can prepare we know that let's say in some township if the police come and arrest us so in our township how we can help how we can prepare how we can prevent the police from come coming and going so but now, since we, we don't know exactly what's going on on the ground, at the same time, they, the military coup, they don't want the international community to know what is exactly going on in Myanmar. Not only that, they arrest all those uh, journalists as well. Just yesterday, uh, uh, a journalist from uh, BBC Burmese and uh, local media, they uh, arrest us as well. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, of course, if you're uh, any entity organization is doing things that can be can that can be construed as bad or whatever they don't want outside voices or outside you know eyes on them so that's a very textbook case so they're trying to basically cover up what's going on from, mm. you know without making without saying that that's what's going on but that's basically what that's what it sounds like they're doing yeah but at the same time i just want to let, let you know another thing is that yes this is how they cut off so what we do, the uh, ground protester for us is that we buy, we the next day we bought a, a walkie-talkie. Now we have a walkie-talkie and now we have that walkie-talkie group in, a, in our uh, uh, social medias as well. So in that way, at least we protect ourselves, at least, you know, that's why we can still go out to the street and protect, hey, the police hasn't come in yet. At least we can connect it and we can defend ourselves as well. At the same time, we can, you know, speak out our voices. If they do the other way, then we have some ways to find out how we can really still uh, voice our uh, uh, out loud, you know. No, and no, and that, that should, and that's a great example of adaptation, you know, adapting to the situation and you know finding finding ways ways around, you know, restrictions and being you know kind of you know and facing the internet outages only rely on wi-fi yeah walkie-talkies you know revert, reverting to other forms other forms of you know communicate communication and uh, things like that so that's that's great i'm really glad to hear that that's being done you know and people are still finding ways to you know demonstrate their will but yes. but i mean but and kind of going back to that i just you know Given what I've seen, just you know, <laughs> you know, just from watching the news, as I've said a million times before, but I'll keep saying it again, I just can't imagine being in a crowd protesting and then literally the police show up and open fire. I mean, I can't imagine what that's like. And you saying yourself, you witness someone being shot next to you. I, I can't imagine that, and I don't even want to think about it. I mean, it just brings, it just, it makes me start to, you know, it makes me want to weep. Mm. You know what? What we scare most is sniper man. Right? I mean, because when you see the police, right, I, we can run because we can see clearly that police are coming. At least we know how to run. That now we have the Coca Cola coma. We get uh, ex fire extinguished. That's how we, uh, we 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 bring all those equipment so that we have a time at least to run uh, run away, right? But what we can escape is from sniper men. All those people who got shot is because the sniper men they shot us. So we can't really protect for that one. This is so scary. For the police, sometimes we are very dead. We even, you know, confront this police. We even say that you are people police. Please don't shoot us. We can say it because we can see it. At least we can communicate, right? At least with your own eye, please, please. But with sniper men, just, you know, that's why we get now, we get a scope. 
front of uh, front our defense team. So they just you know have to look around whether is there any sniper on me or like that. So I just wanna you know telling you what is exactly going on in the uh, ground as well. I mean that's that's one thing that there have been some you know accusations made of that, but for you for you to say that that they're actively sniping people out of crowds. Yes. That, yes. Good lord, that. Oh, I mean, it, yeah, like you said, it's one thing. Police are in front of you. You can communicate. You can do all those things, but yes. you can't do anything with someone you can't see. And yes, I can't imagine the fear, you know, in people's in people's minds, just walking around and thinking, "Oh, maybe okay, we're doing this," but all of a sudden, you don't know if if, if someone's gonna if a shot's gonna be taken at any any person. You know, no one's no one's safe. God, that yes. I can't imagine the fear. Yes. But, you know, I, but I, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just amazed by the people, by the Burmese people or their resolve, their dedication and their um, willingness to show what they want, you know, and that, that is very commendable. And I, and it's amazing to see, you know, regardless of all the, the human, human, um, human carnage, you could say, and, and loss of life. You know, and, and kind of moving up, and that brings into like the international community community's response because uh, I know very recently the uh, rep, Myanmar's representative to the United Nations he gave a speech in the about what's going on and I know I think he's been fired now and he's also been uh, charged with treason by the yes by the new government. Mm. So I mean, maybe I, if we if you, if you want, we can kind of get your two cents on what you think of the international community's response right now. Yes, I think thank you very much for mentioning that one. And Ucho Motun, you know, he the uh, uh, because he might seen as the tre- uh, treason by by the uh, military government, but for the entire people, 50, 55 million had seen it as a hero. You know, because who he can speak out the right things, right, in a right way, in a very right time. So he is our hero. And everybody applauds for that because he did the right thing. And the second thing I will mention is that we, the people of Myanmar, has always seen, always seen the United States as the champion of democracy and human rights. So what happened on February uh, 1st, this is early morning, but it is exactly at the midnight in uh, White House. But this release even at the midnight, they released a statement and condemned the military regime. That's how we have seen the United States. And I'm always, always grateful to the United States for leading this, uh, leading this movement. At the same time, suddenly a country from, you know, UK and all those free world, they, they, they come together and they united and they really condemn this uh, military coup. And I'm really grateful for that. And the next day, what happened is that a lot of people, they just printed out President Biden uh, picture and Vinay, and they say that thank you, Mr. President, and and please continue to support us. A thousand of people get out right in front of U.S. Embassy. So it's very very sad to say that uh, I mean China is very powerful. China has a tremendous tremendous influence on Myanmar military. But what they said in the United Nations Security Council is. It's very saddening, and, and and I myself study in China, so I'm just very sad to see that they just say that this not not only they don't uh, uh, condemn this military coup, they said this is just international internet affair. So they uh, and the next day we come together and we said uh, don't please support the people of Myanmar. I know that China has a huge interest because they have the one belt one road and Myanmar is one of the one of the plans as well. They, we said please don't support military coup but support us supports us when you say um, internet affair right if you want to have the economic development it is impossible not, without the political stabilities as well so if you support the people of Myanmar that will be a huge benefit for the China and certainly for all the other international communities as well so though what I would like to highlight is that those who stand with the people of Myanmar we are extremely glad and it's really give up hope Right, even though we're disconnected, we still hope, we, we know that they are there for us. And but when we are when our friends are dying, and we you just sit and relax and see that this is an internet internet affair, that is something we are very sad. And I'm I'm really hope that China has changed its mind and China really helped uh, uh, the people of Myanmar and respect the will of the Myanmar because we have voted. 
because our scale of uh, vote has been uh, valid, that that's why China should respect the people of Myanmar. And when you respect the people of Myanmar, you got you, you will gain a huge uh, benefit from us. No, I, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and yeah, I, I think you know it's, yeah, it, you know, it's like there's a there's a fine line between you know. In, you know, intervention, what form it should take and what, you know, what the world should do with different situations. But, you know, clearly what's happening is, is not good to put very, very simply. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, you know, people are appreciative for what a lot of countries, including the United States are doing, at, at least, you know, on, at least, you know, in the, on, on, on social channels and, you know, diplomatic channels, but, that kind of leads into the next next point is you know what what do you think would be some things that you would like to see the international community do more maybe and uh, I'm very sad to hear that just just yesterday forty uh, senator I think from the Republican Party has uh, had decided not to condemn the military coups as well so I really 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 think that they should really support the people of Myanmar and they should change your uh, position or uh, uh, yeah they should change your position because they really I believe that whether you are Republican or uh, Democrat I believe that you are a big a big believer of the principle of democracy and human rights. So please stand with us. That's the one thing that I would like to give message to those 14 uh, senators from the Republican Party. And 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 the, the other thing is that what happened in Myanmar, it's very serious. So we must do in, in an urgent manner. When it is too late, when you know millions of people, even thousands now, I think the death rate is over. Uh, nearly 300 now and thousands of people are in prison and many people are missing and some of my friends they even flee the other country so i decided to stay here and i decided to uh to be with the the the, the people people you know with the suffering people and also this is what happened in Myanmar. So if the international community, I would like to say the regional community first, if you just sit, relax and do nothing and see watches, I think there will be a spillover effect or the grievance concept you will suffer as well. I mean, you, thousands of, thousands of, I mean, millions of workers, immigrant workers are in Thailand and thousands of people, they are already ref take refuse in Malaysia. So, and, and, and you know that the uh, Bangladesh is what, there are thousands of Rohingya people out there. So it is not only, because this is not an internet affair, I would say it's about human life. It's about between life and death. So please help us and we don't deserve it. So please keep, keep uh, uh, pressure on China. And, and also I would like to highlight the US and all those UK and all the, uh, and that, I fight, right? You get Canada, uh, US, right? And Australia. And I, I think the other uh, Western country, because what, what I see is that I'm really glad that the, the uh, Joe Biden did send a very targeted sanction. That is not a blanket session, which is really good and very wise for things to do first. Second is that those who link with the military, which they should target them as well. For instance, military, government, their children, you know what? They don't give up the democracy, but they really send their children to the democratic country. They, they don't want us to be educated, but they send their, uh, uh, I mean, children and their grandchildren to be educated in Western countries like United Nations, United States, you know, UK and Australia. They just pretty much enjoy all those freedom, you know. So please, all the government who got the who got the authority to do so, please restrict the uh, visa, please, so that it will affect them. So it will stop, you know, going and enjoying all those freedom that the uh, the free will has been generally given to them. Stop. I mean, for this movement, for the time being, please restrict your visas as well, so that they know that uh, they know that they have. Because usually the G2G is they, they are very immune and they don't even care about it. But, you know, we already believe that a grandchildren can change a grandpa's mindset. So they please do this one as well. When, when you can, when the direct 
sanctions very good, direct pressure is very good. At the same time, indirect pressure and indirect uh, movement is very effective as well, that I would say. And the other thing is that we know, you know that I know that right? when United States, you know, lead this supreme power, you know, we had what we get the war order, right? So, but now China has rising up and uh, we, China is rising up and we have to see how they treat their own citizens as well. So I really think United States keep pressure China's as well so that uh, because it seems like uh, the China is pretty much, you know, sit back and relax and see what's going on in Myanmar as well. And please walk with, I, my message to United Nations, sorry, United States is that please walk with your allies and keep pressure on Myanmar as well. And uh, for people to people, if you got friends in Myanmar, please say them hi, or you know, just uh, just telling, keep telling them that we are with you and we will support you. That means a lot, and and uh, because we are keep encouraging each other, inspiring each other. But sometimes, you know, we always need encouragement as well. So what you are currently doing is just for me is very not only comforting it's very encouraging as well just telling about Myanmar it's really somehow I mean mentally I have so much stress right because in Myanmar if I tell my friend he only was going on in Myanmar he's very stressful as well so telling my friends you know the, some people who are in foreign uh, foreign country by telling them it's really a big relief us as well at least we know we felt that our voices has been heard right and uh, we are not alone right even though you guys are not physically with us, we know that you are with us in spirit because you because you see the share uh, share similarity and the common identity and share humanity right at the end we all are the same at human level right so we all want uh, we all want uh, the basic human right right the basic human right is the right to leave now what is the right to leave not leave so now they just take our basic human rights and that shouldn't happen and please continue to support us. And I know that United Nations and all the other, they are doing as they can and please, before it is not too late. And I really wanna see some, uh, some uh, action so that will stop uh, the, the military group from I mean, shooting its own very people. You know, I, I definitely would say, you know, I can tell you're speaking your heart and you're being very sincere and, and just direct about the situation. And I think one thing that I think everyone should know is that it's one thing to see something on the news, regardless of where you are and what's where it's happening. But if you know someone in that country and you talk to them, like we're talking now, it, it registers entirely different. You know, it's not just a news story mm -hmm. on, on, on the news. Oh, that's so sad, but it doesn't affect me. But if you know someone there, it, 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 it hits much closer to home and you realize that, you know, like you said, we're all people, we all strive in the same things and, you know, have, and want to, want to make a better world and life for our children and their, and their children, so on and so forth. So, you know, it's just so sorry to hear what, what you're going through. And, you know, I'm very hopeful that, you know, there will be more done to help you and your, your fellow countrymen in, in Myanmar. And, you know, it's just, you know, I know politically speaking, there's a lot going on and it's very, you know, convoluted with the current geopolitical environment and everything. But, you know, but I completely agree with you is that, you know, people should know what's going on in Myanmar. They should understand what you and your fellow people are facing and what you're suffering through. And, you know, I'm just very happy that I could um, have this uh, podcast episode with you and let you speak your mind and let you speak from that experiences and the traumas that you've been facing in the last, in the last two, nearly two months now. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and that, and that brings us to my last, my last question for you is, you know, I know we can't predict the future or what will happen, but do you have an idea or, you know, what do you think is going to happen in the next few months? You know, that's question we have been asking the same thing for every day and talk with every day. But I always come, I, right from the very beginning, I answer this same, uh, the same, I give the same answer and still that is the same answers. 
you know what, nobody predicted what could happen, right? Nobody know what's gonna happen. Nobody know what the military could plan. But I always say that, what are we doing, right? What are we doing? It will define the results as well. Because at the end of the day, it will really depend on us. I, I said to the international community, I said to uh, the uh, health and support fund, uh, international community, everything, because they are doing what they can, I believe, I, I generally believe that. But at the same time, we must create our own destiny as well. We don't, we don't want to lose. So what's going to do next? Yes, we already lost our friends. What's, what's, what next? Are we going to surrender? No, that's not the answer. So what are we doing? It's it's huge, it will be hugely depend on you know, what the results will be. So we are doing what we can. That's why I already mentioned that you know some people, they fleeing the other country because they have their own reason. They have to protect their family and they have to protect everything, lots of reason. So those who can say in Myanmar, what are we doing now? Are we still protesting on the street Why we can? So it will really depend on us. That is the general public. The second thing is that the CDM movement, right? We are what we call, we are the soft power because that's what we have. And the hard power is the CDM, civil society movement, right? So those who join the civil uh, disobedience movement, mm -hmm. the civil servant must be very strong as well. We call, yes, civil disobedience movement. They are the hard power. So hard power must be strong as well. Please stop going, uh, stop and going to the office and working for the military regime because it will paralyze them. It will dysfunction them. So that's why as long as we get the soft power, gen general people are strong. As long as we have the hard powers are strong. The other very important is now what we call it CRPH, right? CRPH is, uh, it's, because in, two, in uh, uh, 2020 election, they are elected by the people, right? But uh, since the military coup, you know, him, uh, took the office, so they, they, they created their own the interim governments as well. So all those 55 million supported them. So if they make a clear and wide, strategic, timely plan, as long as they say, they say that, okay, you can protect, you can do, because people listen to them, people pay 110% attention to them as well. So when these three groups come together, united together, and keep doing what their own duty, I believe, I genuinely believe that we will win. Because now, because now, that's why the target is now they, they're trying to weaken this one group, right? They're trying to arrest all those people. And after that, they're trying to arrest the, C, uh, the CDM movement, uh, the civil disobedience movement, joining all those uh, civil servants. And the third, this one, the, the, uh, the uh, interim uh, government, you know, uh, had people support there. So these three, these three group must work together and must unite it together. And if we are doing what we can, I believe nothing can stop us. And not because we are not only unstoppable, we are unbreakable and we must win. I, I, I really, really, I don't want to say lose, but we must win and democracy must prevail against dictatorship and humanity must, must, uh, must win over uh, cruelty. So yeah, that's, that's, I would say, and let's do what we can and with what we have, right? I mean, President Yodospet said, right? I mean, do what you can and, and uh, do what you have and do where you are and let's, let's do it. And uh, we, we believe in doing right. So that's, let's do it. You know, I just want to say, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to go into depth on these things. And, and I completely agree. I think that, you know, the people's will and, you know, the people of a country, if they're united and they have one goal, I, you know, optimistically, I think that they will succeed. And, you know, I hope that the people of Myanmar achieve what they want to allow them to have a better future and to be able to, you know, set their own course as a people in a country from the, from the past. And, you know, you know, and, you know, I'm not being, me not being from there. I, can't go too much further, but I'm just saying from, but just from looking from the outside, that's my hope as, you know, as a human being and just wanting what's best for my fellow man and woman. That that's my goal. But I just want to thank you so much for um, 
sharing your story and sharing, you know, a firsthand account of what's going on and everything that you've experienced and people, you know, and it's just, you know, again, unimaginable what is going on and hearing it from you. It's, you know, it's very powerful. And honest to God, it's almost a little overpowering for me just hearing it, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to give you this opportunity to talk about it and just to share your, your personal experiences. So, but, you know, but, um, First and foremost, you know, I want you to stay safe, take care of yourself. I'm really happy that, you know, you can provide this very, you know, very amazing yet horrifying account of what's going on to our viewers. And I think it will really open a lot of people's eyes who, you know, don't have a friend there like, like, like you and bring it to a more personal and relatable level because, you know, people at the end of the day, we all want to say things we love and say things we like. So that's just my two cents on it, but I just wanted to thank you so much. It's great to see you again. I'm happy that you're safe and I, and first and foremost, continue to stay safe. I hope your family stays safe and, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with you and everyone there and, um, you know, just stay in contact and, you know, be happy. We'd be happy to hear from you uh, again, with more information. So, but I just want to thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for doing this tonight. I also want to say the last one is that people don't have real power without the people's support. What you have merely an office, you don't have real power without the people's support. What you have is just position, what you have is just merely an office. So please give up the military coup. Uh, yeah, I, and also thank you to you. And, um, and I feel now released, you know, relaxed and at least uh, know that and happy that people are generally interested in the arts and concerned about arts and and know they are su supporting us and uh, you are praying for us and I'm deeply deeply appreciated and that's what friends are for and I'm very glad that I have a friends like you who really are supporting and doing the right thing and telling uh, doing what you can I'm Massively appreciate. And when I come to the United States, I will come and say thank you to you in person. That'd be wonderful. I'd really, I'd love to have you, have, have you in the U.S. and take you to some, see some cool places and have some great food in my part of the U.S. So I'd be, I'd love to do that. And in the future, if I'd always be completely open to the idea of coming and visiting Myanmar, because you know, I'm love to travel as everyone, everyone knows that's one reason why I've created this podcast. One of many reasons, but you know, I think the more places we go, the more people we meet and ideas and other aspects that we're exposed to, the more we can relate and help each other on a global scale. Again, we just wanted to thank you for tuning in to another episode of international immersion. This episode is very interesting, full of heartache, but also hope at the same time. And the goal of this podcast, as mentioned, is to connect people. And with that being said, we would always be interested in people's stories or other events that are happening around the world. And please feel free to contact us at internationalimmersionpodcast at gmail.com and we'll happily get back to you. At the end of the day, we hope the situation in Myanmar will improve and that the people there will be able to pursue their own interests and prosecute their lives in the way they want. So we really appreciate you tuning in for this episode of International Immersion, and we'll see you on the next one.